This is episode number 40 with Stephanie Hayes. Welcome to the Good Life Coach Podcast. I am your host, Michelle Lamoureux. The intention of this show is to awaken you to your fullest potential. Join me each week for inspiring interviews to elevate an area of your life, as well as interviews with women entrepreneurs who are creating success on their own terms. Each episode provides actionable tips to guide you to design a life you love. Hey there, and welcome back. This is your host, Michelle, and I'm so glad that you're joining me today. So it's interesting how when you become conscious of something or are thinking about something, you see more evidence of it in your life. So for example, somebody was telling me about those Mercedes van things that are like camping vans, and I'd never seen one. And once I became aware of what they were, I see them everywhere now. So the reason I'm bringing this up is because I had just recently done a podcast on embracing your feminine energy in business. And then the same week, I had another guest who was on the show who said, you know, you really need to interview Stephanie Hayes, who's a small business strategist. And she said, you know, what's unique about her is that she's all about helping her clients embrace their feminine energy in their work. I was like, wow, I just did a podcast on this and really been thinking more about this concept. And I would love to talk to somebody who is using this model successfully with her clients. So today's guest is Stephanie Hayes, a small business strategist who helps entrepreneurs achieve next level growth. And Stephanie has over two decades of experience where she's worked with over 400 clients, run five of her own companies, and she also has a master's degree in business and technology. Now, Stephanie creates highly customized business models that have enabled clients to double and even triple their income without working longer hours. She's really focused on helping her clients build the confidence and the clarity that they need to feel energized by their business direction. And we really get into that today. What we talk about is the feminine in work as well as masculine energy and where they belong. We talk about slow business, and this might be a concept you'll be hearing more about, like slow fashion, slow business, where there's a foundation being put down and a thoughtfulness to a process where things aren't being done so quick, quick, quick. And Stephanie will explain more about what that means and how she works with clients with this model. She also talks about business alignment, where you align your skills with your passion. And she's going to walk us through her four pillars of passion, which are four really critical questions any entrepreneur will want to ask themselves so that they can be creating a business that they love. And so I really enjoyed her model and I can't wait to share it with you. And before I introduce you to Stephanie, just a quick reminder that you can come visit me over at Michelle with one L underscore Lamoureux, L-A-M-O-U-R-E-U-X on Instagram. And I'll link it in the show notes because I know you might be listening to this while doing other things. But if you go to thegoodlifecoach.com forward slash zero four zero for today, 
And what I've been doing with my guests is just a quick behind the scenes where they share a fun fact. And I really loved what Stephanie shared this week. It was a fun fact about her past that I think you'll appreciate. So I'd love to have you connect with me on there. And actually, if we do get connected on Instagram, please take a second to say hello. Let me know that you listen to the show. And if you've got any suggestions or content that you want to see more of, just send me a DM. I'd love to hear from you. So on that note, let's meet Stephanie Hayes. Hey, Stephanie, welcome to the show. Hey, Michelle. Thanks so much for having me. I am very excited to be talking to you today. And I thought it would be great if you could just take a couple minutes to introduce yourself and your backstory and lead us back to where you are today and what you're doing. Sure, that sounds great. Um, I was kind of born an entrepreneur and I've been steeped in this entrepreneurial world from the very beginning. Um, even back to when I was a kid, I remember thinking, gosh, I really want to own my own business one day. And I, I, it didn't even occur to me that I would end up working for someone else. And I, uh, I started my first business when I was 12 as a clown for kids' birthday parties. And the irony there is that I absolutely hate clowns. Oh <laughs> like a, a terrible phobia of clowns. But you know, I, I put the money ahead of the of the will, and we started this little company. But you know, fast forward into um, the real professional career, I worked in from the word go. I worked in small businesses, startups, mostly in the technology space. Um, and right around the time that everything was exploding in the technology world, from you know the online world all the way through to software development. And, and over the course of my career, I've seen technology just grow so quickly and mm. so fast. And I think about those early days and I think how interesting it was that we did so much with so little, but being steeped in those small businesses, it was really interesting because we were working for large corporations. We were consulting to, to large corporations, selling into large corporations. So I got to have my, my feed in kind of both worlds. So I got to see and, and be a part of how big corporations grow and operate and, and, um, and sort of maneuver the business world, but also being part of growing a small business. We were always part of of everything because everything was so small and you got to do all the things. Mm. So I got to have experience in all the different pieces of a business from, you know, if you, if I was in marketing and if I, if I, I, um, I had a, a customer base that actually didn't exist yet. So I had to go out and I had to sell. So I, so I could do my marketing job. And so I got to learn how to sell and I learned how to market and I learned how to do design work and I learned how to program and I learned how to, um, I learned how finances work. I learned how, how getting funding worked. Like, so I, I think everybody needs to be steeped in a small business at some point in time in their lives, because you get so much experience. You get to see how things work and how things grow and become really smart from that perspective. Mm. Um, I have finally had the opportunity to be part of a, being a business owner in um, 2007 when we um, had exited from a company that had bought us and we decided we just wanted to continue doing the work we were doing, but within our own organization. So that was my first 
foray into owning my own business and putting a lot of money into funding that business from the get-go. Um, I, I kind of see that as my starter business and mm. just like a starter marriage <laughs> where you learn a lot about what works, what doesn't work. And I think that was where I really got my education in business model development and how important your business model is to um, the success of your company. Um, coming out of that, that company, I'd realized the business model we had created really actually didn't work. And um, along the way, I, you know, I was divorced and, and had been gone to this point where everything that I owned, everything that I had time for was all about trying to make this business go. Wow. And although we were successful and, uh, you know, I was able to grow that business to a couple of million dollars a year, it was killing my life, right? Like it was killing everything that was around me. And I learned a lot about, um, well, I learned a lot about a lot of things. And when I started my next business, which I did before I exited the other one, I was determined to do it right. And, and also I started a product business, which was very different than a services business. So since that time, I've just been a serial entrepreneur, starting businesses, building businesses. And, um, that education is invaluable. I have a master's degree in basically entrepreneurship and business. Mm. And I would say that most of the experience that I leverage today came from going through being an actual business owner. So that, that was, that was incredibly valuable to me and it started to make me see things in a really different way. And then I, I, I moved into um, being an entrepreneur mentor at the university here and, and taking, taking ideas and turning them into operational businesses from the alumni, from the, the academic community. And those would be consumed by the seed fund at the university. So it was wow. really about taking things from the very, very beginning and turning them into something that worked. And that was great. And I got really involved in the startup world. And I, I got involved in very, very early stage companies. Um, and then I realized what I really love to do is be that sort of guide, right? Be that advisor, be that guide. I didn't like delivering work. I didn't like being a consultant. I didn't like being the one who was responsible for mm. also executing on the outcomes because my brain doesn't work so well that way. Mm. It works much better when I'm at an advisory level. And that if I, if I look at my personality profile from any, you know, pick any of those right. <laughs> personality tests. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. That's where I live and that's where I want to be. So a lot of my friends or people I would come across was started to ask me, like, can you just help us with our business? Can you be that consultant, that advisor? And um, finally, one day I went, you know what, why am I not doing this full time? Mm -hmm. And I, I, I moved away from consulting and built this coaching practice. And although I still have trepidation about the term coach mm. partially because it's been sort of bastardized in our community but um that is what it that is essentially what i'm doing now i'm building strategy and i'm coaching on execution and i have never been so happy in my life <laughs> this great. is this is you know ha having found your alignment and having found that thing now i'm able to just build upon what i have created rather than always be looking for sort of the next thing Right. So that's where I'm at now. And I am <clears throat> absolutely adoring the work that I do. I work with both online and offline clients and I help them go from, I, I, I help them in their growth phase. Um, I, I, the, the early stage startups are fun 
but they're largely underfunded and they really want to focus on tactics. And I like the businesses once they've been kind of pushing through for a couple of years. And sometimes they're at this point where they're like, oh my gosh, what's next? Mm. Or they're, they're kind of, they've reached the limit of their business knowledge and they're, they're looking at this stuff going, I know, I know my trade, Mm. but I don't know how to make this grow or I don't know how to get out of the hole I've gotten into. I actually really like the rescue clients. (laughs) Yeah. But, But that place is so nice for me. And that's, that's exactly my sweet spot. And so that's what I'm doing these days. I'm, I'm helping entrepreneurs grow their businesses and find that sort of next phase. This is great. So I know that from your background too, I mean, just what you were talking about, you've seen every aspect of entrepreneurship. I mean, even starting as a little kid, you had fear of clowns, yet you put on a clown suit and had to see yourself with the makeup, which probably would be pretty scary. Yes. So you pushed through fears. And I think probably one of the gifts that you bring to your clients is that you've seen every angle and you also know how to work through to get to the sweet spot, which I think is something that a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with. They don't actually know how to maximize and focus on their strengths because oftentimes they don't know how to say no to a client or they're not quite sure how to just own the parts of themselves that are where they're giving their best work. You know, it's it's a little bit of a dance. And so I think that that's great. And I want to get into more of that with you. Um, I also know, Stephanie, that you... You told me before the mics came on that you worked in a really masculine-oriented, masculine energy environment, and you're really focused on bringing the feminine energy into work. And I thought that was really timely because I literally just did a podcast on embracing your feminine energy. So I think this is great because now you can give us some real examples of how you're doing it in your work and helping others. So can we talk a little bit about that? Tell us about how you kind of moved into wanting to bring the feminine into your work? Well, it's, yeah, it's a great question. Um, Anyone who's known me for a very long time would, would probably laugh hearing me say that, but it's, it's, it's been such an interesting journey because I, like I, like you said, I grew up in this very male dominated um, industry in IT in technology and it was all men like all men it's getting better now but it was all men and I didn't mind that I had fun and I enjoyed the people I was working with but at the time I didn't realize where this friction was coming from I would work in um sales and marketing. I would work in project management. I would work in all the different aspects of an organization. And I would always feel this friction because as soon as I tried to do something in the way that intuitively made sense to me, I would get backlash from the men. Mm -hmm. I would get backlash from them saying, this isn't the way you're supposed to work. This isn't, this isn't, you're being inappropriate. You're being, um, you know, they just, they couldn't compute and it wasn't inappropriate. I I was never, I was never inappropriate, but I did things in a way that just felt right. And what I realize now is that I, what I was doing was using my intuition and using the things that I knew worked, especially in sales, especially in customer management. I would build these relationships Mm. really quickly with customers, even if they weren't customers yet. 
And I could sell anything. I could close any deal if I was allowed to just be who I was. My customers would love me. They would become my friends. They would, they would, you know, never cross the line, but I would always be able to connect with them. Mm. And I would keep getting this feedback from the men that I would work with saying, you can't be this way. You can't be this way. But I'm like, but I'm successful. So there's this like conflict and this Mm. friction. And I remember, oh my God, (laughs) I remember working for this little company and we were going into a meeting with a potential client. So we'd already been working with this client, but we were now trying to sell a much bigger project. Mm. So I had been delivering the work before and had this great relationship with the client. And it was very like, we were connecting as people, yeah, not as like, um, you know, a uh, very rigid business relationship. Transactional, yeah. Totally. Right. And and I'd get more influence that way. And so we were we were meeting before the sales presentation. And the guy who ran the company that I was working for turns to me, we're, you know, we're debriefing or we're talking about what our approach, whatever. And then just he doesn't miss a breath, turns to me and says, Stephanie, um, I don't want you to talk in this meeting. No. I don't want you to talk in this meeting because you haven't learned yet how to speak to clients. And I was just like, I I was dumbfounded. I didn't even know what to say because here I was, I was probably in my, my mid to late twenties and I had already progressed quite quickly in my career Mm -hmm. to the point where I was a COO of a, of a company before this. And I was, you know, working with clients all the time. Mm -hmm. And I, I like literally didn't even know what to say. And, (laughs) and I walked out of, the coffee shop we were in and into the back of the car of my, what, who became my business partner. And I, he looked in the rear view mirror and I looked at him and I just, I don't even know, like I can't even. So we went through this meeting and we were successful. I said nothing hmm. and got back to the office, handed in my resignation and vowed to myself. I would never allow myself to be treated like that again. Wow. And I give and you credit just, for that. Cause that's not an easy thing to do in your twenties. No. And, and honestly, the, 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 the weirdness that happened after that was that three of the men in that company contacted me separately that afternoon and tried to shame me into coming back or that I was overreacting. I was being emotional or Mm -hmm. I was causing problems for everybody. And it just felt gross. Mm -hmm. And at the time I had this dialogue going inside my head, like, no, I no, I don't want to go back. I don't want to feel like that, but I don't didn't understand why and I didn't understand how it all worked. Mm. So here we go over, you know, 25 years in this industry and I can't say it was bad. It was fun. It was great. I had a great career. I've never been somebody who lets, you know, who 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 lets fear take over. I've never been somebody who lets who lets myself work in an environment that doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. But I actually didn't, I couldn't understand and I couldn't articulate this. But when I came out of IT and I started working in coaching, all of a sudden I started dealing almost entirely with women, mm-hmm. almost entirely. Like I, I have a few male clients and I work with men. I, I have no problem working with men, but just the way that it's gone in this, in this particular part of the, the community, it's all women. And what I've started to realize is I've 
I felt free to just be who I am and to just like, I had permission to just build this business exactly how I want to build it. Mm. And all of my, my really dear clients are friends of mine now, right? Like we've, we've built relationships and I use exactly what I know works and it's been very successful. Mm. So here we are in this environment now where my clients, nobody's leaning over my head saying, Oh, you're not being professional or, Oh, you're because when you, when you go to business school, which I have, I have a master's degree in business. When you go to business school, you get taught to be a business person like a man. Mm -hmm. And here's the problem. You walk into any environment and try to behave like you've been taught to behave and you come across as a bitch, as a, as unmoving, as it doesn't fit for mm. us. It fits for us to use our intuition. It fits for us to be collaborative. It fits for us to create relationships. It fits for us to connect to people on a very different level. And that's what's successful. Yeah. And that's what works for us. It's it's incongruent. There's too much friction. When we try to go in there and be like, I'm taking a stand, I'm aggressive, I'm going to... And there's certainly times to be a little bit more aggressive, mm-hmm. but but we just have to do what feels right. And we have to have permission to do what feels right and stop trying to conform to what business schools tell us. And and frankly, all the business literature out there tells us to be because it just it it doesn't work. And it's not that it's wrong. It works for men, but it doesn't work for women and it doesn't work for us. And quite frankly, I don't think this is just about men and women. I think this is about feminine, masculine energy. And a lot of men could benefit from adopting Mm -hmm. some of those more feminine energy attributes Mm -hmm. and using them in business because they will have less friction. Absolutely. And I think it's a, it's a balance. So I think, you know, we do embrace, we do embody feminine energy as women, right. And masculine energy. But as you said, you're being taught to bring forth solely the masculine in business. And that, absolutely doesn't work. And then, you know, it's interesting because you said you now are working with predominantly women and that you were able to bring in your feminine energy. But one of the things that I mentioned on that solo podcast I did was that I left a corporate environment and, you know, it was primarily, it was definitely masculine energy. It was a law firm and the women partners that had succeeded the senior ones, I think, had absolutely had to adopt more of that masculine energy. And so when I entered the world of entrepreneurship, part of me was excited, just like you were talking about, of being able to really just embrace that feminine energy. I wasn't even thinking about it consciously. And then what I'm seeing are, you know, these words to hustle and push Mm. and crush and kill and slay. You got to kill it and slay to be successful. And I thought, what the heck is going on? Where is the feminine energy that can convey success without all these violent, really aggressive words. Now, can you be successful with the hustle and the push and all of that? You can. Absolutely. A lot of women are doing it and they're adopting it and they're promoting it as the way to be. But I think we are both aligned in the sense that that's not the future and it's actually not going to serve us. So let's talk more about, um, I know you have something when you work with your clients called slow business. Can you take us into that? What is what is slow business, Stephanie? Mm-hmm. So that is that manifestation of um, the feminine energy. And I'm going to just be really clear here that 
I'm not a particularly woo-woo type person, right? So when I talk about feminine energy, I'm not talking about Mother Earth and the, the goddess and all that sort of thing. I have my own spirituality. But I'm talking about something that is very, you know, scientifically proven that we have feminine and we have masculine attributes. And, and men have them and women have them. And when I started to look at what really resonates for people, these we have an ongoing sort of joke about these stupid words, right? Hustle and girl boss and boss babe and all of this don't stuff. Get and started, just, don't I, get me started on those words. I, yeah, I, I refrained from including that in that, but yes. And I want to I be clear that you are not going to be successful without some hard work, okay? Mm-hmm. And hard work, like if you put nothing into your business and you don't, and this is where I think this is so, sort of problematic when we go to the very other side where it's like, oh, just manifest and everything will happen. Mm-hmm. Well, that's also BS, right? Like mm-hmm. 100%. <laughs> that's also not going to get you further ahead. So we do need to work hard. We do need 100%. to put the time and effort in, We, but we can do it in a way that is, that doesn't cause us like stomach aches. Right. Right. And there, I, I work with a lot of introverts, which is funny because I'm a total extrovert and I'm a total, like, I love speaking. I love being on stage, but most of my clients are introverts and they like me because I'm safe for them. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to force them to go and do this ridiculous six figures in six weeks stuff, which basically doesn't work anyway. Right. Mm -hmm. So the hustle and the push and the push and the push, it's not real. No, it's like, never mind whether you like it or not. Right. I don't, I don't care whether you like it or not. It's not real and it's not going to work. I was just having a conversation with one of my clients today who was talking about one of these groups. And she says, I left the group because I didn't get how that, how in the world that was supposed to work. And she says, a bunch of these people are now in debt. And she goes, honestly, after starting to work with you, I had less stomach aches. The pain left my stomach. I had pain in my teeth. I couldn't sleep. Oh my God. And, And like, this is, this is what happens out there. There is so much judgment. If you are not the hustler, if you are not adopting and and making things happen quickly and fast and that's a very masculine energy thing Mm -hmm. the push 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 fast 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 money 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 so i talk about doing things slowly i talk about doing things that are not tied to money and um and the results that we focus on are totally different except i know that the money comes after right? The money comes from being able to do the things that we focus Mm -hmm. on doing and doing them at a pace that's not intentionally slow. It's just real. Mm -hmm. And, and so when I work with clients over nine months on on like a nine month one-on-one program, it's almost not even enough time because it just takes time to percolate, right? Absolutely. When I developed my six month group program, we go, we spend four weeks on each of the six pillars of the business. And everyone who came out of that program says, I loved the pace. Thank you for the permission to go slow. And you see this trend everywhere now, slow food, slow fashion. In fact, one of my clients, we completely changed her business by focusing on slow fashion. She had a traditional manufacturing business with clothing. And there was so much waste and so much like non-sustainable business and so much time delay and she turned that around and we, we turned it into a, a like a, a 
pre-sale model. So she would issue, she issues a different design each month and you have to pre-order it and you get it six weeks later and it, and everybody loves it. Right. Mm. So now she's no longer focusing on the traditional aspects of clothing manufacturing. She's done something totally different and she has blown her business out of the water because she has become more aligned. So slow is about intention. It's about letting results happen and learning from them and seeing what happens and sitting. We need to sit with things. We need to let them gel. We need to let them percolate. Does that mean we don't work hard? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. But we do everything with intention, with discipline, and with um, a sense of learning and watching and observing because that's what ends up happening in business anyway. If I had forced my client um, to go one, one that I'm thinking of in particular, who is sort of the manifestation of this. If we had only focused on how quickly I can make her money, she would be out of business right now. She would have like, and maybe even institutionalized for her. The, the problem wasn't the money. The problem was that she wasn't doing her business in the way that made the most sense to her. That was aligned with who she was and her personality. So we took nine months just to get her business aligned with her. And she's now starting to see the money come in. She's now doing things. But if she changes that, that was her core value. If she changes that way she's doing business, she's unhappy. And so we need businesses that are happy for us in order for us to make the money and put the energy in. And and we're really crafting a lifestyle, right? You don't have to stick to the cookie cutters. And that's where people get tripped up. Absolutely. And that's what's being taught. It's true. It's sort of a cookie cutter approach to business versus what you're talking about, which is creating a foundation and getting clarity and readjusting and then taking more steps. And I think it is important what you said, not not using or embracing this hustle energy doesn't mean you're not working hard. Stephanie, you talk a lot about business alignment and you just mentioned that Um Can you define what that means and how a woman can get into alignment with her business and maybe even share an example if you have one? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I have lots of examples. Um, It's probably the the primary thing that, um, that generates success for me with my clients is the very first thing that we do is we do an alignment exercise. So we are people and we are all people who have mixed backgrounds and experiences and desires and beliefs. So we can't pigeonhole ourselves into um, an existing framework and still be happy. Mm. So what I'm trying to do is provide structure that inside that structure gives you all this creativity and, and freedom to create exactly what you want So one person is going to be very different than the next person. But if I'm not delivering work that I actually enjoy doing or is aligned with my skills um, or is is aligned with my values or my goals, I'm going to be in friction all the time. And this is what I find all the time is people are doing things because they think they have to Mm -hmm. or they're doing things because they don't think there's any other way to do them. And so this is where that sort of four pillars of passion comes from that you and I were talking about. And the, the way it, the way it came to me is I was sitting with a client who was she was struggling so much to figure out what her business needs to be. And this is the problem is we end up focusing on what we're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. 
But when we, we dug and we dug and we dug and she was get, get, coming up with these kind of like meh <laughs> responses to everything. <laughs> Nothing that was exciting her. No. And, and just by chance, she started talking about these clients she had worked with and they were, and, and she just lit up. Mm-hmm. Right. And she was like, her energy changed. And she was just like, Oh, if I could just work with just these people, I'm like, well, why can't you? Mm-hmm. So what I realized is the question for her was not what, but who, and this is the case for everyone. Um, after working with all of these clients over the last few years, I realized that there are four passions in our business. Mm. And when we design a business, we really want to design to optimize for all of them. But first I want to identify which one's yours, because when we do that changes everything. And that becomes the basis for decision-making around your business. So those four, when when we learn how to design businesses, either in business school or or name any course you've ever taken, Mm. What's the first thing we're told to focus on? Who's your ideal client avatar? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your ICA? But yeah. what if it what if it doesn't matter to you? What if that's not your primary concern? It's not for me. I know generally who I'd like to work with, but I don't sit there thinking about that ideal client and saying, "Oh, what do I need to offer them?" If I did that, I would have built an entirely different business where I would probably be offering systems skills or Mm. systems programs to design their technology and they would be happy, but I wouldn't. Mm. I hate that. Right. So, so what I realized is that for, for this particular client, actually starting with the customer was right for her because all she cared about was she was serving this particular customer group. So she wanted to work with like, shamans and these are sort of ultra spiritual people Hmm. and she didn't care that much about what she was doing for them and when we talked when we figured that out then she was super happy and she's like oh well as long as I'm serving them and I get then we went on to figure out what she would do for them right we then we can start and we can align with what their needs are but what if it's something else so it's either going to be this client group or it's going to be Um, a particular product or service you've created that you're just like, oh, this is awesome. And then we work backwards from there and we figure out who it's for. Or it's going to be a particular skill that you have. I'm a human rights lawyer and I just want to do that work, but I don't mind so much how I do it or I have some opinions on this, but uh, you know, I want to, I want to use that skill or I'm a connector. I want to make sure that whatever I'm doing, I'm doing that connecting or uh, it's the way that I want to work. And this is my pillar. I know this because I do not want to work in projects. I don't want to work with anything that has deadlines. I don't want to have to deliver work because it's not in alignment with my ideal skills, like who I am as a person. I am totally the strategist. I am totally the advisor. I like to sit and watch all these things come together and say, oh, pivot here, shift there, do this, do that. And I'm like hurting the business into the place we want it to be. Right. Mm. So I know if I take on the minute I take on work where I've got to do more consulting work or deliverables, I get like, Oh, I hate it. So I, I will be flexible on the type of client I work with. I will be flexible on what I'm offering in terms of products and services. I will be flexible in the skills that I'm using, but I will not be flexible in the way that I work. So knowing that it's helped me make decisions and craft my business in the way that works for me. 
So can you take us deeper into the four pillars of passion then? So what are the questions that you're asking to determine whether it's the who, the what, you know, so that you can be in alignment? So take us a little bit, you know, further in. Sure. It's, It's actually pretty simple. The first thing that we do is we identify what's your ideal state in each of these pillars. Who is your ideal customer that you really like to work with? And you're not allowed to list like 18 of them. (laughs) You list one, right? So wait, is pillar one, who is your ideal client? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Who's, who's the client that you would really love to work with? Mm -hmm. And number two is what is, what is the, what is your, your favorite, the most ideal service, depending on your business service or product that you are, that you want to bring to the world, right? Um, The third pillar is what one skill or like experience is so important that you bring to everything that you do. And the important thing is here is that you're not listing 500 of them, that you're you're really focusing on the one. Can you give an example? Like what would that be? What would that look like? I'm a, I'm a connector, right? I've actually had this with a few different clients who, who may be writers, they may be this or they may be that by trade, but really that sort of core thing that they want to be able to do is connect people, right? Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a connector, right? And I need, whatever I'm doing, I need to be connecting people. And then the fourth pillar is, is like, how do you envision working? Like what, what would be your ideal way to work? And this is going to be a little different for everybody. Some people, the answer is, oh, I I need to work one-on-one with people because I need that feedback, right? Mm. I need that, that specific feedback. Sometimes it's like me. I'm just like, I don't want projects, right? I don't want, I don't want deadlines and deliverables. It's Mm. just not the way that I like to work. And for other people, it's like, I need to be able to work remotely wherever I go. Right. Right. That's really important to me. So location independence. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So when we, then we go back and we run a test and we say, okay, if you could deliver your ideal services or product Mm. and you're using your ideal skills and you're working in the way that you want to work, but you had to work with a different client and it doesn't matter what that is. It's more like, it's not the one you identified. Right. And, and we run this test against each of the pillars. Would you still want to do the work? Mm, like, would it matter? Would that matter? Right. Would that be a yeah. deal breaker for you? Interesting. Yeah. Oh, I like yeah. this. Yeah. And then we go through and we do it for each of the pillars. And there's always one. Mm. There's always one where they're just like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I can. Now, we don't ignore them all. When we go to design the business, we want to take all of those into, into mind. And we want to optimize for all of them. But we have to know which that one is. Do you start and with the one that is a non-negotiable then? Is that the idea? Knowing which the non-negotiable is, is, is like when we're designing offers, when we're identifying customers, when we are building the whole business model, mm. we have to keep coming back to it. And I do this in a, in a visual tool that I've built. I've built tools for each of these six. I'm a, I'm a nerd. I'm yeah, I was going to say your IT. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I built a visual tool for going through this exercise so that you can actually look back and say, okay, do these things. Now that I've gotten to this place where I'm designing my offers, mm. do those actually support the goals and the values and the, that, that key pillar? And if they don't, then we have to go back to the drawing board and we have to adjust them, right? So this is just good information for us. So then we, we kind of assess the heart of the business. What are the goals? What does this business need to do for you? And usually they're like, well, what, don't you mean what it needs to do for my customers? And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, what does it need to do for you mm-hmm. first? You don't get that right. You will hate your business. Mm. And people do that. I, I mean, I was just listening to another podcast and the woman who host features seven and eight figure entrepreneurs. And she said, you know, so many people create businesses and end up being successful in terms of 
money, but hate their businesses that they've created and have to start again. So this is creating a foundation through going inside out versus outside in. Not what, right? Yeah, Yeah, I love it. I love this, Stephanie. Yeah, and and you know, here's the other thing about, I don't think it's just women, but it's very much women. We are always taught to put our put our desires last, mm-hmm. right? And it, and we don't want to be selfish. Right. And so a lot of people will be like, okay, well, I'll I'll think of one thing I like, but then I should I should just keep the other stuff to be hard because mm. I shouldn't take so much. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> this business has to be all about you. Why would you make it about anyone else? Mm. You can have all the things that you want, every single one of them, and you should, or you're going to set yourself up to not be successful. And so they they literally have said to me, oh, well, I'll take these two things, but mm. I'll kind of suffer through with the rest of them. I'm like, no, why? Why would you? <laughs> because women are kind of culture. I mean, it's just ingrained, sadly, in all cultures, I think, to just yeah. put themselves aside and their needs, just like you said. I, yeah. This is actually really fascinating. It's not surprising to me that women are struggling with owning all four. And I think it's such a gift that you are creating a space for them to challenge that and embrace it and then realize the benefits. I'm sure you have so many client examples of women who've done this and are like loving their life right now. Yeah. And it, and it's like, sometimes it's really acute. Like sometimes there is such a specific requirement that a client has because of the way that they are, the way that they, and, th- and to be honest, this isn't just for women, right? Men, men would be so happy if they would do the same thing, but we're, humans would be happy if they did the same thing. But women in particular tend to be a lot less likely to just take what they want. Yes. And, and like, sometimes it takes over and over and over again, me saying it to them till they're just kind of like, Oh, right. And so when we get to the sixth kind of uh, module or pillar of their foundation, it's all about building your work schedule. And people are like, oh, yeah, work schedule. that sounds like a, like stifling me. I'm like, no, this is your freedom. <laughs> this is your freedom because you, you have a requirement around the way you want your life to be. Mm-hmm. So here's the way to take exactly the way you want your life to be and craft a business that allows you to do that. And I, and most of the time, this isn't like, I want to sit on the beach with my laptop. No, screw that. This is like, I want to be able to pick my kids up from school every day, or I want to be able to go for a workout because that's what keeps me sane. Mm. Or I need time in each project to process, to think through my creative deliverables because I am such a talented writer Mm but I can't do it at the drop of a hat. So I need to structure my schedule so that I'm working with one client at a time. Mm. And then some people are like, I, I can't do that. I need to, I need the variety. So I need to be able to figure out a way to serve three clients at a time and be able to mix it up and still meet my deliverable. Like, so everybody's got something different. You know what? I, I, now I just going to ask just quickly, How do you advise um, the people you work with? I know it's not exclusively women, but, you know, there are women listening to the show around pricing, because I think that sometimes women um, undercharge what their value is. I'm just curious your thoughts. (laughs) Sometimes. Yeah. So let's talk about this. Yes, I know. I'm saying it sort of softly, but we know the truth. So so what do you what do you advise there? So there's so this comes from some some pretty crappy cultural stuff. Right. And a lot of women are in. Um 
in service-based professions. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they get a lot of flack. They'll get a lot of commentary about how they shouldn't be charging for the services that they provide. And so there's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of judgment. There's a lot of like value bias. Like there's a lot of crap that goes into pricing and it has nothing to do with pricing. So the biggest thing I can do for them is remove the emotion from pricing. Mm -hmm. And what I say to them is like, look, don't even look at your pricing as a reflection of your value. Look at your pricing as a way to um, communicate your brand. So what kind of brand do you want to have? If you have a very exclusive brand or you want to serve you know, higher-end people, if you start charging low-end prices, you're, you're going to hurt yourself because your customers, your ideal customers, are going to come to your site. They're going to look at your pricing and say, what's wrong with this? Mm-hmm. I shouldn't, I'm not going to go with this person because either they don't have the experience, they don't believe in themselves, or they, you know, they, they are just starting out and I don't want that, right? So they're actually hurting themselves by there's this scarcity mentality that causes us to go, oh, well, if I just charge less, I'm going to get more sales. No, you're not. Mm. You're going to get sales from the wrong people. Mm. But your pricing is just about your brand. It is about communicating and causing people to take certain actions. And that's all it is. It's a tool for you. So taking all that emotion and that value out of pricing helps a lot. Um, And sometimes you have to do it over time. Like I have a client who was like drastically undercharging. And I said, look, here's where you should be at. Mm. She says, that's vomit pricing. So we had to start with less than vomit pricing so that she could get her feet wet. And we just found that place where it was more than what she was charging now. It was less than where she should be, but it Mm. felt like something she could stretch herself to do. She sold three packages right away at that pricing. She's like, oh God, I got to need, I need to raise my prices again. So (laughs) it builds the confidence by doing it. It helped. Yeah, totally. So she just doubled her revenue in the first half of this year. Just because she got, she got like her feet under her with her pricing. So the pricing is nothing to do with you or your value. It's everything to do with communicating your brand. Yeah. I love that perspective. That was really good. Actually, Stephanie, thank you. I'm glad I asked you that. Okay. So before we wrap up, can you leave the women listening with your three best tips on living a good life? And you can make this business personal or a combo. I don't really distinguish between business and personal anymore. Like it all sort of blends together, but the three, the the number one liberator I have had in my life is to divorce yourself from expectations of how things should be. Mm. Should is like such an ugly word. It really is. And, and we set these expectations. Oh, I should be here by now. Yeah. Why? Why should you, who cares? You are where you are. (laughs) <laughs> if you want to keep moving towards something awesome, do it. But, but the more we sit here and judge ourselves for where we are right now, mm. it's just like unnecessary. It's a very Buddhist thing, right? Your suffering is living in the past or, and, and anxiety is living in the future and just being kind of right where you are. Now, does that mean that I don't think you should have plans? No, you should totally have plans. You should totally work towards something, but divorcing yourself from the expectations of how things should turn out yeah. is like absolutely liberating. Mm. Um, the second tip I would say is that there's absolutely zero reason that you shouldn't have exactly what you want. You have permission to optimize your life as much as you can. Mm. So take 
just be really clear on what you want. Be really clear on what is that optimal end state. Does it mean you're going to have it right away? No, but at least you know what you're working towards and you, you're allowed to. You're, you should. You're serving everybody better and yourself if you go after what you want. Mm. And then I guess the third thing is to remember to do things just for fun, mm. right? It's yeah. so ju- We're so judgmental of ourselves when we're doing things that have no productive purpose. <laughs> and like, I know how much my kids love to go away to a hotel. Uh. And I thought, you know what, this weekend, we have to go up to Whistler anyway. Why don't I just rent a hotel room and we mm. can hang out for a couple of nights and just go to the pool? Mm. And all of that sort of thing. But I'm like, oh, no, but, you know, it's going to cost all this money and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, no, screw it. We're just going to do it for fun. I don't have any justification for it. Right. Right. Yeah, I could probably use that money elsewhere. But but it's going to create a memory and it's going to just be fun. And that's like that's what makes our life rich. What a beautiful way to end this. This has been such an enlightening and interesting conversation. And I love I love everything you shared today, Stephanie. Um, where can I direct people to learn more about you and your work? Um, I have uh, everything is is in my website, and I have a um, a free offer for your listeners to hop on a free strategy call with me. So if they go to um, www.stephaniehayes.biz forward slash good life coach, um, we can sign up there and arrange for a free strategy call. And we'll talk about where you're at with your business and how you can get alignment. Thank you. Um, Such a pleasure. And I so appreciate your time today. Oh, I, I appreciate you having me on. It was a great chat and I knew we'd have a lot to talk about. Same. Thanks so much, Stephanie. You're so welcome. I really hope that you enjoyed today's show and walked away with some valuable information that you can use in your professional life. If you would like to come leave a comment, I would love to hear from you. Just head on over to thegoodlifecoach.com forward slash zero four zero. And while you're there, I would love to invite you to join the weekly mailing list, which means that every Wednesday, I'll send you a brief email with some sort of inspiration or information to elevate your life, as well as my favorite takeaway from the week's episode. So would love to have you be a part of the community and you'll see a sign up when you're there. Once you subscribe, you'll get for free a list of 52 self-care tips that I made as a cheat sheet because I know that women, we are guilty of not always taking care of ourselves, And I really want to make self-care something that you do every day for yourself versus a once in a while kind of event where you get a massage. There are 52 ideas on the list. You can implement one a week. You can use your favorite ones over and over again. So thank you so much for your time. I love that you join me each and every week. It means the world to me. And I love producing this show for you. And I hope that it's obvious. Um, Thank you so much. And I look forward to reconnecting with you next Wednesday. Bye for now.